Hey, welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today, we have a super dynamic guest who got his start in the cannabis industry back in 2011. He went on to become the CFO of BioTrack, a seed to sale tracking system. And his journey then led him to be the former director of cannabis client services with Zuber Lawler. In 2019, he went on to launch Red Vault Extraction and Fly Sold Shoes. Today, he's also a strategic advisor for Backbone Software. And so without further ado, Peter Holsworth, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. I love, uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity to join you. you know, let's talk about cannabis. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. I mean, you, you obviously have a little bit of experience with cannabis yourself um, and have done some pretty amazing things. So thank you for taking the time to be here today. Peter, I think a great place to start would be, you know, back in 2011 when you first got into the industry. Can you kind of take us back to what attracted you to the industry, how you got started, and how you got from point A to basically where you are today? You know, it's, it's kind of a crazy story. I was uh, I was a really boring guy, <laughs> and I was uh, an investment banker. That I had launched my own investment banking firm with my mentor, and in, and we started to lend. Uh, we we started a hedge fund that lent to bank challenged industries on an asset based collateralized basis, and we started lending to the vaporizer industry in 2011, and then eventually into dispensaries. And my first three loans to the dispensary markets all defaulted. I lost all the money, and I quickly realized I was a little too early for that aspect of the business. But in 2013, um, I came across the company that had won the first contract with the state government to design a fully closed-loop track-and-trace system to monitor every gram of cannabis produced, transported, manufactured, trans, uh, tested, or dispensed within the state of Washington. And so BioTrack in, uh, in 2014 conducted the very first legal transaction of cannabis in the United States. And I was lucky enough to uh, sell the first eighth of weed to the governor of Washington on July 14th of 2014. That's badass. It's been a journey. You know, I mean, in this industry, it's so attractive. Everybody thinks you're going to make a lot of money, you know, not a lot. It's, and you're getting high all the time. It's going to be great. But uh, it's just the opposite. It's very, very stressful. There's been a lot of regulatory hurdles. Um, and, and it attracts maybe some not as scrupulous people as, as you know, as ethical people as they could be. So um, it's been a great learning lesson to be in this industry and evolve throughout, through it. Yeah, man, sounds like it. And I could definitely vouch for that as well. It's not, you know, you're not just, you know, smoking joints, ripping bonds all day and magically having all this money pouring from an ATM machine. It definitely does not work that way. No. Um, but let's talk about Fly Soul Shoes. Um, that's a really, really interesting company that you spun up and that you're leading and spearheading. And so one of the coolest things about it, just to me personally, is the fact that once you're done wearing the shoe, whether you're tired of it or, or, or it's worn, whatever, you can, you can just put it into the ground essentially and out comes magic. So can we talk a little, a little bit about that and kind of how that company got started and your vision for it and, and where it is today and what you're doing? You know, it, it's, it's quite a, it's a great story because um, prior to starting the company, I was the director of a Fortune 500 law firm's division for cannabis. And my job was really to travel the world and get the largest of the cannabis clients, you know, largest in, institutions to really afford us. Um, and during that process, I realized that we were setting up systems that soon will allow for Mexico and Colombia to dominate the cultivation 
and extraction for ingestible purposes of hemp. Um, and once they're issued DEA importation licenses, it'll be very difficult for the United States to compete in the cultivation of ingestible purpose to hemp. So I thought to myself, how can I, how am I going to save this industry? Knowing this and then having this foresight, how do I, how do I save the American hemp farmer? And I thought, well, of course, the opportunity for the industrial applications of hemp is so much greater. You know, the get you high market is like the size of your fist. The applications for medicine and medicinal hemp, this is like the industry is the size of your body. But the application of the industry, industry side for industrial hemp is the size of the home that you're sitting in today. And so um, I thought, well, wait, everybody wears shoes. Everybody's got feet. And if you don't have a foot, I will build you a special shoe. So why not attack this, this market? Because shoes are the most pollutive thing that we put on our body in the manufacturing process. They are damn near impossible to recycle because they're made up of so many different hodgepodge of materials. Most of them, like your Nikes in your closet, will last 600 to 800 years past the death of your body. And if you knew and you were aware that they're made by a person that's 6 to 8, 10 years old, you'd probably have a moral conflict in buying it. Well, I, I figured this is a great place to start. And I met a family that has been making these shoes by hand for over a hundred years. It's a third generation cobblers in Tepoltzlan, Mexico. And they trace these beautiful, intricate, vibrant colored patterns all the way back to their ancestors, which were the Aztecs of the native area, of the local area. And so I have meeting them and seen this. I said, wait a second. Let's make these beautiful designs, these things that catch your eye, this colorful, vibrant personality and shoes. Let's make them out of hemp and let's make them biodegradable. And then let's solve the further problem. If they do wind up in a hemp in a landfill and they do, they need to biodegrade and they're going to release a hemp plant stuck in those seeds in the soil. And eventually that landfill will become a hemp farm. That's one hell of a story. But that, that look. That that's what I have to say. But like, so how did you like? How did you go from concept to actually putting that into motion? Did it take a lot of time? Were you did you already sort of have a lot of relationships put in place, and you know you were able to kind of leverage that and go to market a lot quicker? Was there a lot of headaches with that? That's a great question. You know, you know, in the manufacturing process, she does really lucky that I met that I established a relationship with this family who knows how to do it. You know, they have been making shoes. Mm -hmm. And they've been using plant-based materials as well, like UK fibers that have been mixed with the polyesters and other things that weren't biodegradable. You know, the way thing for me is that I wanted to include the hemp plant. It's such a it's you know, it is God's plant in my opinion. It feeds us, heals us, clothes us, fuels us, houses us. What can't it do? And so um that was my main so my main contribution was to understand and build out an international hemp supply chain. Um, most of our hemp comes from Eastern and Western Europe, uh, largely probably because there's just not as much of an infrastructure here in the United States to purchase or decorderize purchased hemp, uh, or, or purchase decorderized hemp, I should say. And, um, and, you know, the 
the establishment of the supply chain, as well as the logistics in and out of Mexico, uh, were a challenge. You know, we, we actually had our first ever shipment of shoes stuck at the customs department in Juarez, Mexico. And uh, you should have seen how I was shaken thinking about how we crossed that border and going to Juarez with a U-Haul, going to pick up my 500 pairs of shoes that I just ordered and explaining, don't smoke them. They're only made out of industrial hemp. <laughs> But, um, you know, they gave us a proof of concept where they had already been making shoes. I came along and, and together we made them better, biodegradable, and we brought the IP around and put it seats in them. That's incredible, man. Kudos, kudos on that. I, I mean, do. you make it sound so easy, but especially with some of those trials and tribulations and the hurdles, even getting everything stuck at customs, it's, it's a lot of sleepless nights, I could imagine. I think we could always agree that anything worthwhile takes that it's, it's harder than you originally think it's going to be. You know, I started a company in 2019 and 2020 hit and COVID hit. Nobody was buying shoes. I went months without selling a pair of shoes. And, and it took a lot to believe in the future of the company. But I know, you know, we have a chance, even on a small scale, to make a lasting contribution to this planet by giving the, the uh fashion industry a way to now instead of being pollutive to be regenerative instead of being uh, in, uh, 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 something that will wind up in the landfill we're going to start farms we're going to start plantations of hemp or, or rose bushes or whatever we want to do but we're on a mission and I know that even a little part we can change the world yeah totally and I love what you said before about how hemp is the only crop that can feed clothes shelter and service medicine and that's it's so true and I just got the chills just by actually saying that out loud but the power of this plant is just it's unheard of compared to compared to anything else and so that was one of the one of the reasons why I was so excited to introduce you and Franny Tacy who I know you both had the pleasure of connecting in person last year at MJ VidisCon. Um, and she has the same exact philosophy. She's such an advocate of, of him for the medicinal and for the industrial aspects and uses of it. And so I'm super excited to hear that Fly Soul Shoes is going to be available at some of the Franny's pharmacies up and down the East Coast. Do so you want to talk a little bit about that and sort of the power behind collaboration? Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that's really everything. The grant, you know, we, because I've been, I've been funding this company on my own since the beginning, and we're just now taking it out. I just now decided to do some marketing. Nobody's ever even heard of us because we've really never put a dollar in a marketing yet. Like we're building the foundation. And so, Partnerships like Franny's are quintessentially how we make this groundswell happen. Um, we are going to be doing marketing soon, but she, but when we find like-minded professionals that believe in the mission here and they see these shoes, they get on board right away. And Franny is a, a perfect example of that. She is a rock star when it comes to putting out this energy. I mean, this woman has this palpable energy that just, yeah. she vibes, she glows. She is on her flow. And, you know, I, you know, you're just attracted to do business with people like that. You want to do business with people like that. You want it, and especially when they see the like-minded of both advocating for this plan. Um, it was a no-brainer for us. You know, we, we uh, not only do our vibes align, our brands align, our missions align, but 
You can now give them an alternative product that aligns with their mission. That's made out of hemp. That people will come back and build store loyalty. You know, when you buy a shoe from a store, it's a very personal item because you identify with the personality of that of that shoe, and then psychologically you'll identify with the personality of that store, and then you're identified with the store, and you're a loyalist. So these shoes build loyalty and make you look pretty fly while you're doing it. Yeah, I can't wait to get my pair and and rock them. I got to get my pair before I head over to, to BizCon this year later on. Yeah, which one? Which one is your favorite? You know, I think you look good in the ayahuasca personally. Yeah, you think you'll go good with this shirt? Yeah, do that smile, man. If I had that smile, I'd be the president <laughs> by now. Let's do it, man. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the uh, the ayahuasca. I think come slides, right? Well, slides and also uh, oh, lace yeah. ups. They come in slides, lace ups, heels boots and women's boots now as well we just we just increased the line so we now are offering and we're soon to be coming out with backpacks purses clutches cosmetic bags and sneakers and moccasins that all will match together um you know so we've got some pretty radical stuff coming out so keep an eye and you know for you and anybody else listening to this podcast if you guys do want to make a purchase on the website you can go ahead and use the discount code peter p-e-t-e-r in all caps gives you 15 percent off any of your purchases awesome i'm jotting that down right now so i can put that in the in the uh description below the show that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you. Of course. I, I appreciate you, man. You got to keep, you, this is so important. You know, what you're doing right now and, and bringing companies like mine and brands and, and, and people that are so passionate about this, this is exactly how we're winning. You know, 30 years ago, we weren't having this conversation. We weren't able to talk about THD. We weren't able to talk about camp openly like this. And look at this movement. It's because of people like you dedicating to put this information and for people like me that are passionate about it out there so that people can listen. This is what makes this industry. So thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. And so with, with everything that you've done from one end of the spectrum to the other within the cannabis industry, this was just one thing going through my mind when I was thinking about today's show and our conversation. Do you have, like, when you go back in time, are you like, man, that was the most fun that I was having in the industry? Like, was there a specific role or, like, company or niche or vertical that you were involved in where you were like, man, that was just the, the best time? You know, at, when I was serving as a director of Cannabis Client Services at Zuber Lawler, uh, we patented, we achieved the very first cannabinoid plant-based patent in history of the United States. We associated that with the very first new dietary ingredient and generally recognized as safe designations with the FDA for hemp proteins and viability and efficacy in foods. Um, and furthermore, we then went on and articulated and developed what's referred to as the zone of expansion in trademark law, which gave fully THC brands Full federal trademark, meaningful federal trademark protection for a THC brand, which many people think is impossible to do, but it's very much possible. Um, because of that work, I was really given the gift of being sent around the world by this law firm. I was in 68 cities and 19 countries in 2019 alone. And although that was really challenging to travel the world alone, you know, I was in my apartment 24 days that year. Um, I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have a dog. I didn't even have a fish. Um, but 
you know, it really was a beautiful experience to see um, all these different cultures from Israel to Colombia to Switzerland to Germany to England uh, embracing the cannabis plant, embracing the health benefits and, and the aspects of it that enrich our societies, not degrading them. Um, and so that international exposure was was uh, life changing. I wrote a 42-page uh, manifesto of different markets that are that are developing around the world and the industrial aspects. Of it. But um, I, I left that position and I retired on my birthday to start this company, to honor my mother and to retire my mother. And so my best moment by far is the day I was strong enough to leave a position where they were paying me to go party around the world for something much more difficult, which was to start my own company. So that's what I encourage everybody here to do. If you find yourself trading your time for a paycheck, you're trading your time for bread. And every time you go out to dinner, you just spent 45 minutes it took you to make that money to pay for that dinner. And I refuse to do that. I don't know. I'll tell you, I've, I've made a lot less and had a lot more headaches since I started this. But anything worth doing is worth doing right. And if you want something that you've never had before, you got to do things that you've never done. Yeah, that is that is so true. And I'm just taking mental notes right here because we hear things like that all the time. But hearing it come from somebody like yourself who's kind of experienced both ends of it personally, it just hits so much harder. And it's so true. Um, Peter, what... Building off of that, what advice would you give to somebody who is on the on the cusp or on the brink of making that decision? Where and I've been, I've been in situations like this before, where it almost feels like, man, I'm about to take this giant leap, and I pray to God and the universe that there is a parachute that's locked in. But then when you actually take that leap, you know what? It was just a little step. You know, you, you, uh, this is, I'm so grateful to be on your podcast. This really touches to my core. I have a, uh, a saying that I've kind of manipulated from Winston Churchill. It's, it's the first part is, the second part is actually Will Smith's, but I, I hold it dear to me. It, it's, it's to, to change is to improve. To change often is to perfect. So never have fear of change. Lean into fear because you'll find the best parts of life are directly on the other side of that fear. So, if, you know, my best advice to people is take risk. If you don't risk it all in life, you are nothing but particles flowing to the wind. To live is to risk it all. So take risk. And when you take that risk, get in writing. <laughs> <laughs> Get it in writing. <laughs> I love that, man. And then um, one last question to, to wrap this up. As somebody who's been a part of so many different organizations and you've seen so much and experienced so much, do you have any advice for somebody who's maybe about to get into the scaling phase of their business yeah. and sort of you know where they should start and how they should just view that next portion of the journey? A lot of, of, their a lot of times people forget about the benefits of technologies that can help them scale. So <laughs> whether you're a product business or a service business, um, implement technologies like uh, 
client relationship management technology, CRMs, or inventory management that have API integrations into themselves. So your inventory management system should integrate with your sales system so your sales guys know what's available and what's hot to sell and what's, you know, quantities are there. The implementation of software to automate processes is how you scale. You know, you don't want anytime you can replace yourself with something that you can automate, do it. And that's that in my opinion is is the, the key to scaling is to remove the man hours, remove the human error, remove even the person doing it. If you can automate it, do it. That's great advice. And especially with all the free, even even the free or like low cost technology that's available today. I was just talking to somebody about the this Calendly alone, like that just saves so much man time. And, and whether you're going to be doing it yourself or whether you're going to hire somebody to do something like that yourself, you can get a free Calendly account and boom, you just saved so much time. Yeah. And think about just that going back and forth. Sometimes takes five or six emails to make an appointment, you know, right. And, and that's, that's a great example. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that, Peter. And thank you so much for all the all the knowledge, the gems, the insights, the wisdom. Hey, you know, today. let's stay in touch if you ever want me back. You know, we're um, we're going to be moving. I'm a board member of the National Cannabis Industry Association. This year is a big year for legalization, so we're having lobby days coming up in November, where the top hundred cannabis professionals in the in the country are always are invited to go and lobby. Um, our, our Senate and our Congress, and I've been part of that every single year since it started. Um, this year is a particularly big year, so yeah, all of your advocacy, you know, advocates that are listening here, the believers in the cannabis plant, you know, talk to your local municipalities, talk to your um, state officials, um, express to them the open architecture that can benefit their state um, in a, uh, you know, from an open architecture license system in the cannabis industry. For sure. And so, Pete, I just want to open up this, you know, my platform to you. Anytime that there's something that you want to get across, you know, my home is yours. So oh, just buy keep some that in shoes, mind, people. Help us on this fight. Come <laughs> and join us. Buy a pair of biodegradable shoes and plant them in your backyard for us. FlySoulShoes.com. That's Soul, S O U L, just like you. You got to be a Fly Soul to pull them off. FlySoulShoes.com. Fly Soul Shoes on Instagram, one word. And I am Peter underscore cannabis on Instagram if you want to follow me personally around my travels around the world. Perfect. All right. You know where to follow the man. You know where to buy his shoes. Pete, thank you again so much for today. Really, really appreciate right, your time, man. Brother. And I'm you're sure we'll be connected thank you so soon. Much. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode. We will catch you all next time.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.